we're going to begin a new series called Faith and Finances. You guys sit down with me, Faith and Finances. There you go. <laughs> so it's a new series. Um, uh, I hope you track with us in the next couple of weeks. I'm excited as we have different people share about this. But today I'll begin for us this sermon. And uh, if you have your Bible, you can turn to Matthew 5. Sorry, Matthew 6, verse, let's see what it is, Matthew six nineteen, and I will read it for us. It should be behind me as well. Matthew 6, verse 19, and this is what it says. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your heart, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be. The eye of the lamp, sorry, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and and money. That's the reading of the word. Would you pray with me before we begin? God, we thank you for your word that speaks to us today. Um, um, my prayer, God, for every one of us, including myself, is that you will convict us, you would um, help us to hear what you want us to hear, challenge us to live the way you've called us to live, and that in our walk with you, that we will not settle for just the mediocrity of Christian life, but that you would challenge us, even now, to follow you wholeheartedly, to give our lives to you, so that we can be full of your light. So God, speak to us, convict our hearts, and let your will be done in our lives. In Jesus' name, we say amen. Amen. Um, so last year we talked um, a bit about generosity, and um, there I gave kind of a broad stroke on what generosity, generosity looks like, right? It's the idea of being generous with our time, our talent, and our treasure. And last year I was pretty uh, wimpy and did not really specify what treasure actually is, right? Because... When we look at scripture, when Jesus is talking about treasure, here is talking about money, finances. Yeah, money is a hard thing to talk about, even for me, standing up here. Money is a very is a privatized thing, right? You never go around asking people, how much do you make? Man, that's kind of weird and rude. When someone is employed by a company and you're wondering, man, are they making more money than I am? Right? You might be thinking that. Or wondering, like, man, did I, what's, I wonder how much they make. 
it's privatized, right? We don't, we just keep it to ourselves. We don't tell anyone about it. And that's one of the issues we have with money, even when we talk about, about it in church. The other thing is, of course, I know the church, and in particular, different organizations around the world, different companies have abused money, misused money. The church is uh, particularly guilty of oftentimes of the abuse of money, where you find ministers trying to manipulate people to give money only for them to accumulate their own wealth. I talked about this a while ago. There's a guy, the minister, who's asking for money so he can buy a new plane. That's wrong. And we all see that, and we immediately have this allergic reaction to the talk of money in the church because we see how it can be abused and misused. I have friends who come up to me, and when they find out I'm a pastor, like, oh, wow, you're a pastor. Man, religion is such a money-making business. Like, uh, okay, hi, you know, like, if you only knew, pretty much, right? They, they assume, that's what people assume, and we, even in the church, we kind of think like that. We, we take on this line of thinking. So, of course, of course, we have this allergic reaction to the talk of money. But when we look at Scripture, Jesus, in particular, talks about money a lot, talks about it all the time. 15% of his teachings were about money. When you look at the New Testament church, you see Paul asking for money. You see churches want to give him money. So money is not this thing like we just hide and we, oh, you know, I don't want to talk, I don't want to hear about it. No, it's in the scriptures. Jesus talks about it a lot. Why? Why does he talk about it? Is it because he needs your money? Not really. He doesn't need your money. Is it because he's trying to deprive you of enjoying the good things in life? No. Why? I think the passage we just let read alludes to this. Simply put, if God doesn't have your money... He doesn't have your heart. God does not have your money. He does not have your heart. And that's what Jesus is trying to get at here. Because for many of us, we think serving God and, and, and giving financially is separate, right? My spirituality and the way I spend my money has nothing to do with spirituality. It's my own business, my own thing to worry about. But Jesus is actually telling us, actually, the way you spend your money, it's, a, it's very telling of how, what matters to you and what your spiritual, spirituality is about. So here's what we're going to talk about then. I'm going to talk about these three things. What is God inviting us into in regards to money? How does God expect us to participate in this? And why is it necessary for us? So let's tackle the first thing. Why is God, what, is, what is God inviting us into? It's interesting enough, interestingly enough, in America, right, America is one of the most generous countries in the world, right? Um, 
we, we have such a culture of generosity. Um, in terms of uh, Amer- uh, donations that were um, in 2014, there were about $358 billion that were donated to charitable organizations. $358. Sorry, not $358. $358 billion. Now, that's a lot of money. But on that same year, you had uh, $17 trillion of gross income that was was, uh, uh, accrued that year. So if you look at those two numbers, it tells you something. It means that 2% of all all the income in in this country that year, only 2% was given to charitable donations. So in one way, it looks like we are so generous because $358 billion is a lot of money. But if you think about it, that's actually not that generous. So we have this culture of generosity, but there's not a lifestyle of generosity. Because in America, we have people who are wealthy enough to give. They're wealthy enough to seem generous. But when we look at the standard that Jesus is calling us to live, that is actually not that generous. You just have enough to give, and the rest you keep to yourself. So there's an illusion of generosity in our culture, right? There's an illusion that, oh, yeah, we all give to charity, so I'm good, right? But oftentimes, even when we come to church, especially in particular Christians who are here, our generosity is more like charity, charity donations, that we are giving out of the goodness of our hearts. And I think that's the difference of what Jesus is calling us into. He's not calling us to give out of the goodness of our hearts. He's calling us to something else. God is inviting us to something deeper, something more than that. He's inviting us to a life of radical generosity. It's a bug here. calling us to a life of radical generosity that is lived out in relationship with him. Um, You know, there are very few things in life that we value more than money. Um, Some of us, right, we value money. We value our um, social ladder. We value um, uh, status symbols like luxury goods and job titles. I was talking to someone the other day, just it's like when we hear someone is a CEO of a company, you know, our eyes light up. Wow, you must make a lot of money. <laughs> you know, when we hear someone came out of Harvard Business School, wow, you will make a lot of money. Right? That's immediately what we're thinking. Because we idolize all these things. And Jesus is saying, I want to get to the root. I want to get, I want to get your heart. I want, the, the things that you treasure is what I want. I mean, think about it. When, um, when you're in relationship, right, 
Think of any meaningful relationship you're in right now. Your spouse, your parents, um, your dear friends. One of the ways that you know that you love each other is actually by spending money on each other. Parents, you know, new parents. I, I mean, I heard the amount that you actually have to spend on diapers. I'm like, oh my gosh, where's that money going to come from? Right? You're willing to spend, I think I heard it was $60,000. It could be more. On diapers alone. What does that say? It means you cherish them, you love them, and you don't want them to poop in your house. <laughs> That's why you do these things. But money is one of those things that you, you, you know, you take someone out for dinner. You're showing you love them. Christmas is coming, and one, one of the things we have to deal with with Christmas is when we have to do those, those elephant white gifts, you know, those obligatory gifts that you don't really care about, right? You have a coworker who's going to give you, like, something from the dollar store. What do you do? Throw it away or regift it. What does that tell you? It means that this relationship is not that important to me, right? But if someone were to give you, like, I don't know, just something beautiful, something you've wanted, an Xbox 360, I don't know if that's the newest one or not, but if someone gave that to you, you might give that, you might like, wow, this is an expensive gift. I didn't realize that you liked me that much, <laughs> right? That's what happens, is that money is one of the ways we actually show that we care for each other, that we value each other, that this relationship is meaningful. But for some reason or the other, when it comes to our relationship with God, it's, it's a different story. It's a different story. What am I trying to say? It's that the way we spend our money is one of the ways we tell that our relationships with each other or with God is important. What's painfully obvious for a lot of us, including myself, is that our relationship with God lacks the full, full breath of devotion. It lacks the full breath of what it should be because we've decided that money and God does not mix together. And I think this is why this text speaks so much to us because Jesus is telling us, he's reminding us, but your treasure, the things you treasure the most, that's where your heart is. And he's saying that oftentimes what we do with the money we have is that we, we, we put it in things that are actually temporal. We store it in, in, in things that are temporal and that would actually fade, fade away. And he invites us, challenges us to store our money, our treasures, in things that will last, in things that are eternal. Um, there's the parable of, in Luke 12, the parable of the rich fool. And uh, Jesus tells this parable of a guy who realizes he's accumulated a lot of wealth. And you know, is, he's wondering to himself, wow, I, I need more. I need more. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to build more barns so I can store more. 
and I can keep it all for myself. So this guy, what does he do? He invests in more barns. And he's happy with himself. He's married. He's, he's, he's living the life because he's accumulated the wealth. And then Jesus ends the parable and says, wow, you know. It's, actually, let me turn to it because I don't remember it. <laughs> I'm like doing it out of memory, which is not good. Luke 12. He said, but God said to him, after he'd done all these things, look, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you prepared for yourself? Who will get it? All those things you prepared for yourself, who's going to get it? This is how it will be for whoever stores things for themselves but is not rich toward God. It's a hard saying. God, Jesus says his life has been demanded because he had stored all these things for himself. But he was not rich towards God. God is inviting us to be rich towards him, to be radically generous, to give of our wealth, not to accumulate it. Not for ourselves, not for our families, but to share. And some of you is like, wait, to, with who? The church? <laughs> Should I just give my wealth to the church? We'll get there. So how is God inviting us now to participate? How is God inviting us to participate, to actually share the resources he has given us? Uh, I have a couple of friends who, non-Christian friends, who would like to take me out for dinner. And, well, some of them are Christians. Uh, it's fine, you know, I... I it's free dinner, so I go. <laughs> but, but one of the things they tell me is like, oh, man, yeah, you know, I'm doing this for you because you're a pastor. And, you know, just, you know, give me, just make sure you give me some credit with God, you know, because I'm, I'm feeding you. I'm like, oh, okay, sure. But I'll take the dinner, though, you know. <laughs> then there are some Christians who think, oh, giving of money is like a membership fee, excuse me, a membership fee to the church. Like, it's like a membership due, you know, pay, what do you call it, a membership, membership fee, like gym. Like, when you go to the gym, and you have to pay your dues, and you receive your services. Or when you go to a social club, and you, you know, you pay your dues, and you get all the good things in life, right? Some of us think of it that way. We pay, we give our money, and then I have community, and then I have a pastor who does whatever I, I tell him to do. Um, <laughs> oh, that's, that's how we think about giving. You think about it as if, you know, we're getting some Costco membership. That's not what it means. That's not what Jesus is inviting us to. That's not how Jesus is inviting us to be generous. Um, uh, I think 2010, years ago, when I finished seminary, I had the chance to go to Israel. And um, Israel... Uh, it was beautiful. We went all around. It was kind of, it was my professor who was kind of touring, giving us a tour and actually even teaching us a class. Amazing. And he prepared us. He was like, hey, guys, you know, I'm going to let you go. Just, this is free time. Do whatever you want. Um, if you want to buy anything, just remember, you have to haggle for it. I hate haggling. You know, you just, once you commit, you can't say no. You just have to keep doing it. All right, fine, cool. 
so I see, you know, uh, a scarf that I like because I love scarves. And uh, I'm haggling with this guy, and he gives me a price. And I'm like, I cannot tell if he's cheating me or if this is a really good deal. And that's one of the things about haggling that, that stinks. You can't tell. So we're haggling back and forth, and I'm like, at the end, I decided, you know what? No, sorry. The guy screams at me, yells at me, and closes the store because of me. <laughs> like, again, part of it is I just can't tell. We just, I'm trying to get, and then I can't tell what I should, what this is worth. So you know what? Just forget it. I think when it comes to giving, we're all like that. Like, uh, is it 10%? Is it 5% of my, is it, should I just give a tip? I don't know. So you know what? Mm, forget this. And that's how we, I think when we think about generosity, when we think about giving, we think that way. What is this worth? <laughs> how much is this worth? How much of my time is this worth? And that's part of one of the questions that, that is very, you know, it's debated. I think there are some people here, and I'm going to be very specific, guys, so just stay with me. Some people here, or just in church in general, not here, will say, well, it's 10%. I'm just going to give 10% and that's it. You know, bill pay, whatever, and I don't have to think about it. And then I can do the rest, whatever I want to do with my money, I, you know, the rest of it I do. Some people say, well, it's not in the Bible, 10%. I don't see that in the New Testament, you know. So what is it? And I would say both of you are wrong. It's not 10%, and you, you know, and it is in the Bible. Well, let's, so the whole idea, anyway, let me draw back. The whole idea of the 10% is called the tithing, where you get to give. Well, in Israel, in the Old Testament, when they had this covenant with God, they were asked to give 10% of everything they made and bring it to the temple. But that's just the beginning. 10%, then they brought another 10% every year, and every three years, they brought another 10%. So it's more than 10%. It's way more than that. Maybe 23 or 25. And then what we saw in the New Testament is something even more radical. Whenever someone encountered Jesus, like, for example, the story of Zacchaeus, he gave 50% of his wealth away. When Jesus met the rich young fool, as it's called, or the rich young ruler, Jesus asked him to give all of his wealth away. When, Jesus, when the, the New Testament church started, you see people selling their houses, people giving a lot of their wealth away. There's a call to radical generosity. when we look at the New Testament. And yes, you're right. There's, I mean, I think some of you are right. There is no number giving of how much you're supposed to give. You're called, we are called to radical generosity. And I think oftentimes in our current culture, in our current um, world, we're more interested in accumulating wealth for ourselves. And the rest I can live, leave for God. 
Or on also another problem we have with this is that we all have this scarcity mentality, especially if you live in this New York City area. It's like there's never enough money. Right? You got to buy coffee that's ten dollars, you know. You got to buy dinners that are twenty dollars or more. Right? You're we're constantly spending money here and there, and it feels like there is never enough. Um, I came across this author. His name is Charles um, Eisenstein, and this is what he said. He said, the money system is a game of musical chairs, a mad scramble in which some are necessarily left out, and it is an outgrowth of scarcity. Um, another thing he, 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 he writes, um, sorry, I don't know where it is. Um, anyway, he, he writes this, this idea, is, uh, when we, we pick on this idea of the, the scarcity mentality, what it does is this vicious cycle that just keeps compounding on each other. When you keep thinking you don't have enough, then you keep trying to accumulate wealth. I don't have enough, so I must accumulate wealth for myself. And it's this vicious cycles that actually uh, rid us away from radical generosity. So Christ might come to you. I mean, imagine. I want all of your wealth. How are we going to react to that? I want 50% of your wealth. I think Christ is coming to us and he's saying, no, I want you to think radically. And this leads me to my next point. Why is this necessary for us? I think when we understand the value of the gifts that we have, that leads us to be radical in our generosity. When we realize the value of the gift of Jesus, it would lead us to be radical. And I think this is where it's sometimes hard. Like, I'm... I'm the type of person that I struggle with receiving, right? Like if someone tells me, oh, you know, I'm going to buy you dinner. Even though I was joking around, I, it, it, it is hard for me sometimes. I just want to pay. It's hard for me to actually receive a gift from someone because I feel like, no, it's not your responsibility. It's my responsibility. And I think we struggle also to even receive the gift that is Jesus. Because if we understand the worth and the value that we have in Jesus, then it would cause us to be radical. It would lead us to be radical. It would lead us to even realize that all this wealth, why am I hoarding it for myself? No, it's, it's to be given away. It's to be, it's to be shared just like Jesus shared all of his life with every one of us. And it's not only that. Jesus actually calls us to invest in our future. Did you catch that? He said, no, don't store your treasures here on earth. Store it in heaven. So he's not against investing. He's not against investing in, you know, your stocks or your portfolios. or what. He's actually interested in you investing. But he wants us to invest in the right portfolio that would actually last for a lifetime. 
um, I came across this story. Um, pretty crazy story about two guys who were um, two two guys who happened to meet at Harvard Business School, and one of the guy, brilliant guy, he he thought to himself, "Man, what job can I get right now, or in the next couple of years that that will help me acquire the most amount of wealth in a short time, but also help me." to have a great work-life balance. Like, what job can I actually find as nine to five, and then, but I also can accumulate a lot of money in a short time, what job would that be? Can you guess what that is? It's a petroleum engineer. <laughs> That's the job he found. And he realized, man, he's going to have to, excuse me, go uh, be an expat in some other country, and they will pay him, like, you know, $300,000. By the way, at this point in his life, he's about 23 years old. He's already saved $100,000. He's already making like $150,000 at that young age. Um, not crazy wealth, but good enough. Um, so he finds that, and then he realizes, he learns, okay, in order for him to be that, get that job, he's going to have to go to a Harvard Business School. He applies, he gets in. This other guy, he's kind of like the spender. You know, he loves, he's living lavishly. He works for uh, McKinsey. Um, he's a junior uh, consultant, um, making a lot of money at a young age as well. And he realized, oh, wow, you know, all the partners, every one of them went to Harvard Business School. They're all their connections they made. So he decided, I'm going to go to Harvard Business School so I can, you know, make it to the top and make a lot of money. These guys meet in Harvard Business School. And while they were there, a friend of them told them, hey, you're there, you can take an elective. Why don't you take this elective that is offered by the seminary, Harvard Seminary? It's called God and Money. <laughs> so they took that course. When they took that course, it rocked them. Because they were good guys. They were like, yeah, I'm going to give 10%, 10%, you know, I give 10% to God do whatever I want with my money, with the rest of my money. But when they got there, they realized that, no, the New Testament, when you see what Jesus is calling us to, is more than just 10%. He's, giving, he's saying all that you have is mine. Your life is mine. It's not 10% of my money that is God's. No, it's all of your money. It's God's. But even what's more profound is realizing, it, I think we're, we get so stuck on, this is mine. We get stuck in that. But it's realizing the gift that is Jesus. Realizing that, wow, God came in the form of a man to die for us. I am willing to give my whole life for him. Now, God is not saying that you should be a pastor or you should, you know, go to seminary. He's not calling you. He's, he's calling you in your own field. But I think he's reminding us that everything that we have is not ours. It's his. Now, these guys, like I was telling you about, they, yeah, they could have made a lot of money, but then they realized, you know what? God was calling them to a nonprofit business. <laughs> 
I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to do this ministry thing? No. And one of the things they're doing now is actually teaching people how, what God is calling us, how God is calling us to give all of our lives, including our finances, to him. Now, it might seem like I'm saying, give all your money to this church. That's not what I'm saying. And don't take that at all. What I am saying is that, and I'll say this, at the very baseline, be sacrificial with your money. So you don't have to give it here. If you don't feel comfortable, give it somewhere else. Be sacrificial. Why is, why, and again, why is God inviting us to this? Because he wants you to be changed. He wants your lives to be changed. Because what money can do, it can ruin our lives. It can be the idol that we keep. Uh, I, I don't even know. It's, it could ruin our lives. We can, that's all we live for. But God wants us to be changed, and that's why he's inviting us to be sacrificial. He doesn't need your money. He doesn't want you to not enjoy life and go on your nice vacations. That's not what he's saying. But he wants you to be changed. And in that last verse, he says, one of them will be your master. One of them will be your God. It's either God or it's money. So as he invites us to be sacrificial, let's make God our master. Let's make God our God. I'm going to call the worship team to come up and then We'll pray and take the communion. Let's pray. God, um, I think in many ways, um, sometimes this could be a hard message for, <clears throat> for us to hear, for anyone to hear, for that matter. Um, but my prayer, God, more than anything, is that you help us to see the gift that is Christ. Help us, God, to, to notice and realize that you have given us more than we can ever give back. We can't even touch. We can't even touch anything that you've given us. It's far more greater than what you've given us. And as you invite us to radical generosity, as you invite us to give of our lives, give of our money, give of our time, and give of our treasure, that you would change us. You would change us to see what is more important in life see that you are more important than anything else we can have. And I pray even as we take the communion, as we're reminded of uh, the great sacrifice of your son, Jesus, I pray, God, that more than anything, that you will solidify the truth of